Welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast with Marty Folsom, and this is podcast number 25. So our topic today is addicted to love, because we talk about relationships and addiction is part of that, and that's kind of an odd title, isn't it? Addicted to love, you'd think it's a good thing, but we think about addiction as habits that bind us. There's something about certain forms of love that actually bind us and don't liberate us. So that may be a twisted definition of love, but I think for many people, it gives them a vision of what it is they're looking for in life, and the pursuit of it actually becomes binding, not liberating. So... I want to suggest that God is in the business of freeing people who are all bound up. So the very nature of what we call the gospel, the good news, is that God sees people who are bound up in not healthy relationships or in relation to parts of the world and does that freeing type stuff. And so God frees us from broken relationships, from the impact of them. Sometimes the relationships still break, but they don't have the same binding power on us that they might have. Sometimes God frees us from silence, the sense that we don't have a voice so that we can't hear what other people are saying, and God gives us the ability to break through. There is a sense in which God frees us from exclusion, that the whole nature of the cross is the inclusion of humanity, so that you can say, I am beloved, I am known, I'm somebody for whom God cares and stands with. It frees us from indignity, the lack of the value of just being a human who's worth being granted dignity. God frees us from our vulnerability. Now, it's not that we're not vulnerable at all, but we're not living in a sense that we're always feeling like we have to be afraid, that our vulnerability puts us in a state of constant not-safeness. And God frees us from prejudice, from being judges of others. God takes all judgments and said, "Those, that's my job. I will judge and I'll bring about health from those things, whereas you will live in fear from them. All these things, in a sense, are different forms of illnesses in our ways of being in the world with God, with one another. They're ways that we get stopped. They're all states of fear, the fear of things not working out well. <clears throat> It's kind of cliche, maybe, but the other day I saw if you change I to we, you get from illness, you get wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, wellness from illness. I think there's something in that, though, when we stop living just for what I'm going to get out of it and start seeing how we can best function, something transforms, something that moves us out of the addiction, the binding of life to try and get beyond our being stuck, which is the nature of a dysfunctional family. So our illness is often that we're not enough, that we're not loved, that we're missing out on love and life and all those things. And so when we're not feeling loved, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna pursue trying to get loved. We get distracted. We forget how to pay attention to the other and to love them. And we put the focus on ourself. Now, when the focus is on ourself, we are going to be working out of fear. We're going to manage how we appear. We're going to hide our not-so-good parts. We're going to make the good things that 
we want people to see come out and in all that we are lying we're getting our need meta feeling valued and we're ultimately not engaging in a true and faithful relationship that sounds like addiction so we get stuck then stuck wanting to connect but going about it in all the wrong ways wrong motive working from fear wrong method covering over what we don't want people to see so that they fall in love with a false sense of us and ultimately sacrificing honesty in our relationships so the nature of the cross is that it removes us from our stuckness it says from god's perspective whatever could be held against you whatever shame or blame any of those kind of things that you might hold against you that others might hold against you um, I'm going to step in and say, I love you, and I will acknowledge in the most powerful way that I will sacrifice myself to the shame of the cross. I'll take all the blame for whatever people might want to put in there. Whatever guilt you might have, I will take that on myself so that there's a removal of all that pseudo-self. What is the pseudo-self? The pseudo-self is the false sense of of who we are that we present to the world. It's the core of addiction. Pseudo meaning false. False self. A false self that we put out there. I'm so sad when people go out and try and put on their best impression for first dates or new friendships. And I just want to say, can you recognize that you're not showing up and this person is going to become attracted to somebody that doesn't actually exist or only exists in these moments of putting on a show. So, this false self creates a desire that goes astray, leads others astray, and ultimately leads ourselves away. And what happens enough time, we might say addiction simply becomes our out-of-control habit, the habit that controls us, trying to get love in the world, trying to be likable, trying to be somebody who shows up in a way that somebody will give us the love that we want but there is a problem in that we're working out of pain the pain of not being noticed the pain of not being loved the way we want and we want these moments of pleasure coping with what it is that we're not dealing with but we end up getting enslaved slave addict, addict, they all kind of fit together. And so to say that the nature of what it means to be people who are enslaved is that we are bound in our slave to try and appear in such a way that we get what we want. Now, whole family systems can end up looking this way. And so to say they're addictive families where everybody is willing to lie to one another and everyone else because they want to be loved and so they put on happy smiles faces when people are looking but underneath they are hiding not really seeking out empowering one another they're trying to have power over people who they want to influence by appearing to look good and we might say that's just living a lie and it can become systemic a whole family system can become a whole church system so churches can become addictive they can lie and hide and cover over to look good when underneath there isn't honesty and people are playing power games. There are addictive personalities where the whole nature of the person's personality is all about <clears throat> trying to 
get love and so wearing the beautiful mask the beautiful words the beautiful things that make people want to be connected to that person their personality is shaped oriented all around that you could have whole organizations they may be businesses churches clubs all of them have this potential to have at least one person or a group of persons or the whole group who's willing to lie together to try and feel like they have value but they're not really telling the truth they sacrifice real honest relationships by not being willing to tell the truth and so they have a culture of hiding and talk about cultures you can get a whole society in fact you might say that the cultures of saving face in the far east the whole culture about saving faces everybody is around putting on a face a mask um, that doesn't let people know any weaknesses so you're always trying to perform perfect your children everything is about image and that's an addictive society yeah but what about the West? What about us? How much do we try and look good keeping up with the Joneses, trying to have the newest and the best and have status symbols? Yep, it's all the same thing. It's a culture, an addictive culture, the American form of it, which only makes it slightly more hard to see because we grow up in it. And so we don't really see how much of it is a putting on of something to cover over the hollowness that we live with. So I once wrote a paper called The Church as a Dysfunctional Family. And when churches are dysfunctional families, there's some form of leadership, either individual or group of people, maybe the people with money. They have to have things a particular way, and so everyone conforms to them and the power that they put out there, that it's got to look this way, God wants it to be this way. They use God even in this dysfunctional way of addictive thinking. And people want God to love them, and so they comply with the leadership. But in the end, it's dishonest, and people are afraid of pushing back or criticizing or critiquing the dysfunctions going on. And so the whole system becomes an addiction where in wanting God's love and wanting the love of the leader, people basically get sucked into or addicted to love. The desire to be loved affirmed but you know what in the trinity there is no fear there's only love in the trinity so the father and the son and the spirit are never afraid of each other all their decisions can be out of love giving self-giving emptying self reconciling restoring making all things new there isn't any possibility of addiction in the life of the trinity the degree to which we live within the life of the trinity is the degree to which we're going to be able to Agree with God about who we are and how we are loved. So, the tragedy of the modern world is that the church, in most cases, is somewhat fear-based. And that's why people often live for years and just feel ashamed and guilty, because they've heard God is watching them and judging them. With that bad theology of the God who judges, who's critical, there is not love and acceptance. Now, I grew up going into U Press, University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, and it was just a long ways away. And so I think I was a, a good boy on Sundays, and that world was separated. So to just have compartments of our world is another part. I wanted to be seen as good there, so I put on, I think, a good face there. But 
it didn't really breed in me a sense of being part of a family. So in the end, people end up thinking that God's basic relationship to humanity is a legal relationship, that there are conditions that if we're good, ask forgiveness, do all the things right, say all the things right, then God will see that we've met the conditions and he'll love us. But that's not really the way that works. That's an addictive way of thinking about conditional love. Covenant, as seen in the Bible, is an unconditional way where God unconditionally acts on behalf of humanity. There's nothing we can do to condition God into loving us. Therefore, God's love is unconditional. So the real thing in love is that it's simply the gift of God that's given to us. There is no addiction. And whenever we have something that we feel like we have to be better, do more, um, no more, all of that's just an imitation. It's an imitation of love that isn't love. And people feel like there's something that they get to do in it to earn that love. And they can't see that the imitation and the earning is just another way of talking about the addictive system. Lying, hiding, buying a love that's already there. So, the whole goal in studying the life of God is not just to learn about this perfect being or how we be perfect or God's conditional acceptance and how we meet those conditions. If that's what we think, if we think we have to do it just right, then the cure for our situation becomes the poison. Our not accepting God's love, our trying to earn it with God or a spouse or family, the earning actually gets in the way of unconditional love. And they're all just fear-based strategies. I'm afraid if I don't do this, that it's not going to turn out well. So in the end, we perform for others, needing them to be happy, and we're just complying, meeting their needs. Yep, that needing others to be happy, people-pleasing, that's all just an addiction to love. So whenever we think God will not provide the way for us to be loved and accepted, and that we have to get control of our life in the chaos. We think we need to take over. We are going to be living the lie. We become people of the lie. True love is unconditional. It's God's connection with us, and it frees us. It frees us to love and be loved without a sense of condition. We give because we love the person, and we love to serve and take care of them and empower them. So, the idea of being addicted to love, again, is an unhealthy love. It's the love that only comes when people have been shown something that they will find lovely that's not really reality, that's not really the truth. And unfortunately, advertising and the culture of looking good makes it appear as though that's really what life's about. As long as you're looking good, owning, achieving, success as defined by the culture, then you'll be loved. But that's false love. And if we get sucked into it, we will be addicted to love. The good news is that's just all a mirage instead of reality. So, live in the love. Recognize where addiction's functioning and look where reality lives in true love. Thanks for being with us today on the It's All About Relationships podcast. This is Dr. Marty Folsom. Check out my website over at drmartyfolsom.com, and we'll see you next time.